Welcome to Alpha and Omega Ministries International. This ministry is committed to bringing apostolic alignment and restoration of the values and principles of the Kingdom of God to the body of Christ. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by the Word of God. What I want to share with you this afternoon is primarily on the value and the importance of godly relationships. I believe that God places high value and preeminence on relationship. Our relationship with Him, that is Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit and the Heavenly Father, as well as our relationship with each other in the body of Christ, is valuable and precious in the sight of God. And I believe we as believers must learn to value what God values. We need to place weight and value on what God places weight and value. Often in life, we value things that in the light of eternity have no value. And for the sake of those things, we sacrifice the higher things. And so we need to understand what does God value most of all? We need to do the same. So tonight I want to speak to you about how relationship precedes discipleship. Relationship precedes discipleship. Jesus said in John's Gospel chapter 14 and verse 15, If you really love me, you will keep and obey my commands. Remember, he said that? If you love me, you will keep my commands. Notice that Jesus puts the word love first before obedience. Love before obedience. In other words, Jesus was saying, it is because you love me and you obey me. What he wanted to emphasize is that when we have an intimate, personal love relationship with the Lord, this kind of relationship empowers us or anoints us and enables us to obey the Lord and to follow Him wherever He leads us. Now, without this relationship, all we have is religion. When you take the love out of it, all you have is dry religion made up of rules and regulations. But what empowers me to follow the Lord wherever He leads me is because I have a love relationship with Him. I love the Lord. That's why I do what I do. Anything that does not derive from love and from relationship is illegitimate and it is not acceptable to God. And often we need to stop and ask ourselves, why do I do what I do? Is it because I love the Lord and I love people? Or is it because I want to be seen by people, I want to be praised by people? That's very important for us to check our motives. I am here because I love the Lord. There's no other reason and I love you. And that empowers me, that love, that relationship I share with the Lord and I share with you empowers me to obey and follow the Lord wherever He leads me. And that's very important. The heart of Christianity is all about relationships. All of it. Relationship with the Lord Jesus and relationship with each other. That is the very heart and the essence of Christianity. And when that is absent or is missing, as I said, all we have is just a lot of sacrifices, a lot of do's and a lot of uh, don'ts and, and dry religion. There's no life in that. Now, I believe that this is the principle that God wanted to establish in my heart during our time of prayer and fasting here in Gypsum this time, he continually spoke to me about relationships, the importance of my relationship with you, your relationship with me, our relationship with each other in the house church, and our relationship towards God. And he emphasized that over and over again. 
Now, I have discovered that we cannot disciple anyone or be discipled by anyone without a strong relationship. You cannot influence anyone to follow Christ or to do good unless you have some kind of a relationship with him. You get me? Jesus had a very strong relationship with the disciples. That is why the disciples followed him. They obeyed him. Even they themselves testified, Lord, we have forsaken all and followed you. What was it that empowered them to forsake their business, to forsake everything in life and follow the Lord for three and a half years, wherever he went? It was the strength of a love relationship they had with the Lord. It was something they saw in Jesus that attracted them. Jesus looked at Peter and John and he said, come follow me. They dropped everything and they followed him. What was it that they saw in him? The Bible says we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. We love him because God first demonstrated his love toward us. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. He didn't wait for us to become righteous before he died. He died while we were yet vile sinners. He demonstrated that love. And because he loved us first, we love him now. What was it that they saw in him? They saw the love. They saw the acceptance. They saw the the genuineness of Jesus' caring heart, and that drew them like a magnet. And they were willing to forsake all and follow the Lord and be discipled by him. Therefore, we draw the conclusion that influence and genuine ministry must always be preceded by relationship. Now, the strength of my relationship that I have with each one of you will determine how far I can lead you on the road to fulfilling your destiny. I want to say that again because I want it to sink in. The strength of my relationship I have with you each one of you, and you with me, will determine how far I am able to lead you in fulfilling your purpose in God or your destiny. The stronger the relationship, the further I can take you. The weaker the relationship, I will be greatly hindered in influencing you to follow the Lord Jesus. So, If our relationship is strong, and if it is secure in the Lord, my task and mission, as far as you are concerned, will be successful and bear much fruit. I want to say that again because that's so important. Because this is the basis and the foundation of discipleship. If our relationship is strong, and if it is secure in the Lord, We find trust and security in each other's relationship. In other words, I'm not going to get up and leave you tomorrow or abandon you or not come to see you or not study and pray to feed you and shepherd you. You can depend on me that I will be here for you and walk with you as a shepherd toward his sheep. We'll cover you in my prayers will genuinely care for you and come alongside you and walk with you even through the valley of the shadow of death. You can depend on that. And that makes you feel secure. So that is why I'm saying, if our relationship is strong and secure in the Lord, my task and mission, as far as you're concerned, will be successful. I will succeed in helping you fulfill your purpose in Christ Jesus, and bear much fruit. I also want to say this, any influence or authority that I have over you as a shepherd is based on the strength of my relationship and the quality of my relationship with you. 
I have no other influence and no other authority. The only authority I have is relational authority. Relational authority does not enforce. Relational authority leads, goes ahead of you and leads you into the right path. The shepherd does not walk behind the sheep driving them. He walks in front of the sheep and the sheep follow the shepherd. So any authority that I have over you is not from the top down. It is a relational authority and through my relationship I influence you and I disciple you. Do you understand that? So Jesus said, if you love me, you will follow me and keep my commandments. It was no law that says thou shalt follow me. It was love. If you will, come, follow me. Whosoever will, let him come. It's, that's grace, not law. And, and so someone said, I remember someone said, well, I follow the Lord and no man. I submit to the Lord only and to no man. Well, that's ignorance gone to seed. That's biblical ignorance. If that is the case, then Paul was a false apostle when he said to those he shepherded, follow me as I follow Christ. He didn't just say follow me. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. And then Jesus said the following. In John 13 and verse 20, listen to what Jesus said. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives, whomever I send, receives me. And he who receives me, Jesus said, receives him who sent me. So, let me ask the question. Who has sent me to you? Now, Jesus said, he who receives whomever I send, when, if you receive me in the name of the Lord, whom are you receiving? Christ. And if you receive Christ, whom are you actually receiving? The Father who sent him. That's why Jesus said, he who receives a prophet in the name of the prophet will receive what? A prophet's reward. The way you receive me is the way you receive the one who sent me. Are you getting it? The way you welcome me is the way you welcome the one who sent me. And if you welcome the one who sent me, you welcome the Father who sent him. That's the order of the kingdom of God. So if you submit to my authority, whom are you actually submitting to? Jesus who sent me. And then the Father. Father, Jesus, and the men whom Jesus sends. The same principle works. That's why John says, how can you say you love God? How, how can you say you, you, you love God whom you have not seen? How does it say it, Michael? How, yeah, how, how can you say you love God if you not seen That's what he said. So the way we respond to those whom God sends is the way we receive and respond to the one who sent them. And so that's very important. Now, let me define my mission. I'd like to make it very plain. My mission and assignment from the Lord who sent me to you is to equip you and empower you for works of service. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11 and 12. The Bible says in verse, in verse 11, Ephesians 4, And he himself, that is Christ, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For what purpose? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry or the work of service. So my mission, number one, why am I here? I'm not here to just preach a message and then go. 
I'm here because God has given me an assignment. You are my assignment. I take that very personally. And that is my responsibility from God. It is to equip and empower you for works of service. Number two, it is to enable you through proper training and teaching to become the kind of a leader that God has called you to be in your sphere of influence, in your business, in your home, as a father, as a husband, as a wife, as a leader in the community. So my task is to help you by giving you the proper teaching, the right teaching at the right time, the proper training to become the leader that God has called and ordained you to be in your sphere of influence in this valley here. So when people look at you and they say, man, did you see this man's family? Did you see how he loves his wife? Did you see how the wife is respectful to her husband? Did you see how? Then I get, I get credit for that because I help train you. Do you understand that? Now, are you with me so far? Am I too serious? No. Okay. Now, number, number three. Thirdly, Number three, to help you identify your gift in the Lord and through proper training, help you to exercise those gifts for the benefit of others. I am amazed how many believers, they've been in the Lord for years, they sit in churches, they listen to sermons. You ask them, what is your gift? What is God has gifted you? What are your strengths? They don't know. They have never been taught to identify and recognize the gifting that God has given them. So they sit every Sunday in the pew. They've got such resource and and gifting and wisdom and knowledge in them, yet if you don't know what you have, how will you ever use it? So my task is to help you identify your gift in the Lord and through proper training help you to exercise those gifts to serve those whom God has called you to serve. In order for me to do this successfully, I require, number one, commitment to this relationship. Number two, your undivided attention. And number three, your loyalty. Thank you. I cannot successfully fulfill my task unless I have your commitment to this relationship. Let me give you an example. Um, I'm just trying to give the right example. I say to you, Elise, come here. Come stand here Elise, give me your hand. I take this responsibility from God to shepherd you, to teach you, to walk with you, to cover you with my prayers, and to walk alongside you as your shepherd. I receive that responsibility, and I make that commitment to you. (coughs) You in response say, Pastor Andrea, I receive you as my shepherd, as my pastor, as my teacher and as my instructor. I will follow you because I trust you. I will obey you because I believe you genuinely care and love me. What are we doing? Huh? We are affirming and establishing a shepherd-sheep relationship. Without this commitment, I cannot disciple you. And I've noticed here in America, by and large, one of the major strongholds of the enemy is the spirit of independence. You want to serve God, but you want to serve him in your own way and on your own terms. Nobody tells me what to do. You come into a church, you go, you are accountable to no one. You have no relationship with a shepherd. 
You struggle on your own, you cry on your own, you pray on your own, yet you are in the midst of a whole lot of people and yet you are disconnected and isolated because you are afraid of commitment. That is not of God. When you come into the kingdom of God, these things are foundational in the kingdom. I am committed to you, Lord. Whether it's hot or cold, I'm going to serve you. Whether it's beneficial for me or sacrificial, I will follow you wherever you go. Whether I thirst or I'm full, whether I'm hungry or I'm full, whether I have plenty or whether I have little, whether it's convenient, whether it's uncomfortable, whether it's plenty, I will serve you come what may. Some people put conditions, I'll serve you, Lord, if you do this for me. You don't bargain with God. We serve him day in and day out, in summer, in winter, in hot, in cold, in lack, in plenty, and in everything. He is Lord. Amen. That's commitment. And I believe God requires the same commitment from his disciples. And that comes through relationship. Relationship. And I believe... This is my personal opinion. People don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care for them. When people see the genuineness of a shepherd's heart, that he really cares, that he really loves, that he really honors the people that he pastors, they will be attracted. They will be drawn in a love relationship and they will walk together. And that's the secret. That's what Jesus did with his disciples. Now, so remember this, commitment. What do I mean by that? Jake, you come up to me and you shake my hand and you say, Pastor Andreas, I recognize you as a man sent from God to me. I acknowledge you as my shepherd. I acknowledge you as my pastor. I will submit to your teaching. I will be discipled by you, and I will listen to your advice. That is what? Acknowledgement and commitment and affirming the relationship that we share. That brings us into a place of feeling secure. So I don't have to think twice. Now, if I see Jake, you know, doing something that is not so kosher, that is sinful or whatever, I don't have to walk on eggshells to say, Jake, you know, the word of God teaches this and this and this, brother. You know, we cannot walk this way. You're going to have to do something about that. About that temper of yours, you're going to have to seek the Lord about it. Are you with me? Amen? I, I, I hope I'm not stepping on somebody's toes. But if I do, the Lord will heal them. I don't believe so. Each person has a person that shepherds them, that is sent by God to them. Two shepherds, why would you need to? You'll be confused. One will lead you this way, maybe another one. I believe there is a man sent from God for each one of us. Jesus said, I know my sheep, my sheep know me. It's a relationship between shepherd and sheep. And in the eyes of God is very precious. So I don't believe you can have two or three shepherds. I believe you can have many instructors, but not many shepherds. There's a difference. You can receive teaching from this ministry and from this ministry and from that ministry, but you only have one father, one shepherd. Yeah. Now, so what do I require from you? Just simply pay attention to the teachings I'm giving you. I study and I wait on God every week to bring you the right word at the right time. So pay attention to the teachings, meditate on the words I bring you, and follow the directives I give you in the Spirit. Amen? The directives, the general directives, they, they are instructions not from myself, but from the Word of God. Now, in doing so, and all of us are 
in agreement, the house church here will be empowered to such an extent that we will be able to bless this valley with the knowledge of the Lord and together as a house church establish, extend the influence of God's kingdom in your sphere of influence. This is your sphere of influence. This whole valley is where God placed you. And we are to represent Christ in every form and in every sphere of our lives. Young ladies, be modest. Dress properly. Dress modestly. Behave. Amen? This is, this is God. Now, in return for our obedience, as we obey, this is the promise of the Lord. And God said to me, give them this promise from me. The Lord promises that you will experience and witness the blessing of the Lord in every sphere of your life. Your marriage, your children, your business, your health will be blessed. And the Lord gives us this promise in Exodus 23 Verse 25 through 27. Learn these verses off by heart because they are yours. God speaks to you and says, listen to what he says. You shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your water. Notice the order of words. You shall serve and the Lord will bless. You shall serve the Lord, and the Lord will bless. What will the Lord bless? He will bless your water, he will bless your bread. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. That is a powerful promise. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. Helen and Michael were struggling. She was struggling to get pregnant. This is the promise that Michael and Helen and I and my wife stood on it. I said, Lord, you have promised me and I decree and declare no one in my family will suffer miscarriage or be barren. This is not from you. I receive your blessing and I thank you for it because I'm your servant. We stood on that promise. Right, Michael? And God answered our prayer and fulfilled his promise. That's a promise from God. No one will suffer miscarriage. And all be barren in your land. And then he says, I will fulfill the number of your days. I'm not going to die young. When I fulfill my purpose, when my days are ended and my work is finished, I will go home to be with the Lord, but not before. Satan cannot touch me. As long as I walk in obedience, as long as I serve the Lord, as long as you serve the Lord, as long as you obey the Lord, you will fulfill the number of your days. That is God's promise. One more promise. Listen to this. I will send my fear before you and I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come and I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. Victory from your enemies who come against you. God says, I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among those who persecute you, who try to harm you. That is God's word for you. If you want, if you serve the Lord and obey him, God will do this for you. That is his promise. Now, loving God with all of our hearts, and serving Him and the people He has called us to serve is our greatest priority and our highest privilege in life. There's no higher calling. Amen? One more thing. Unity is the core ingredient that holds us together. If we are going to be successful in our Christian endeavors, and if we're going to fulfill our God-given mission in this valley, we need to pull together in one given direction. One cannot pull this way and the other one going that way, and the other one going the other way, and the other one going south or north or whatever. That's confusion. There's no order there. That's not God's kingdom. That's the world. 
Everybody has an opinion and everybody has an idea what we should be doing. Amen? Amen. Too many chiefs, what do they say? Too many Indians. <laughs> when, you come into the, when you come into the family of God, there is order in the family. God gives a mission to a family. God gives vision. And we all come together pulling in one given direction. Not seven different directions. And this is very important. We need to be in one accord, one mind, having the same love for each other. Without this core ingredients, that's why churches shut down. That's why there's so many splits and so many fights and so many quarrels. Because these ingredients are not present. Amen? Listen to what Paul says. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. We should know these verses. They are very, 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 very foundational and important. Paul says, "Is I'm, re- I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind, one purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. And don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. These are the core ingredients. Being of one accord, having the same mind and the same love for each other. These words of Paul become the foundation upon which Christ builds and strengthens his church. This, these are foundational. If, you, if we don't have these amongst us, we're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. Our harmonious relationship with each other are the foundations upon Christ builds the church and through us extends the influence of his kingdom. Without the strength of these relationships, without the strength of these relationships, there's nothing to build on. Look at 11, Psalms chapter 11 verse 3 says something very profound. Psalms 11 verse 3. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Question mark. If the foundations of the house crumble and are destroyed, what happens? Collapse. That's why many believers, many churches collapse, because there's no foundation. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If our relationships are damaged and destroyed, what can Jesus do? Absolutely nothing with us. Nothing. There's nothing he can do with us because the foundations are destroyed. And let me ask you a question. If relationships are foundational and you were the devil and you wanted to stop and destroy the work of God, What would you attack first? There you go. You're going to go for the relationships. And you're going to try and cause havoc in the relationships. Attack and destroy the relationships, cause major offenses, using our own carnality and selfishness. That's why we have to be very careful how we speak to one another. What we say about one another when they're not present. Because that destroys foundations. Are you listening to me? Yes, yes sir. Gossip. What she said, what she did. What? No, no, no. But I didn't. That destroys foundations. Stop it. Stop it. Now, 
the way we relate to one another, respect and honor one another, the way we serve one another, love one another, will build a strong hedge of protection around our fellowship, which will protect us and our families, our businesses, and whatever we do. Invisible protection. How do we build that? By respecting and honoring one another, by serving one another, by loving one another, by not speaking evil of one another, letting no corrupt communication come out of our mouths. So the way we speak must be with gentleness, with respect and honor. If we do that by the grace of God, there will be an invisible covering. Not only that, not only we will be covered and protected by the Lord, but we will also create an atmosphere here in this house church amongst us that will attract other people to come into our family. Why would anybody want to come in a place where there's no love, there's no respect, there's no honor, and the atmosphere is polluted by division and gossip and judgment and criticism? We need to have a large heart, folks. And we need to embrace people and love them, no matter where they come from, what they do. Love them. What I'm talking about is love unconditionally. Jesus loves me unconditionally. He loves you unconditionally. And he asks us that we love each other the same way. If I love you, I'm not going to be rude to you. If I love you, I'm not going to criticize you. If I love you, I'm going to help you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to encourage you when you go through a difficult time. I'm not going to judge you. Because what is judgment going to do for you? It tears you down. Criticism. It tears people down. Amen. People will come because they will find love. They will find acceptance. And they're going to find some kind of refuge here. Do you know that the human heart cries for a place of rest and safety. And if we create an atmosphere that is harmonious, that, that is, that is kind and loving and generous, it, like a magnet, you don't have to push or invite people. They will find you. God will send them here. Because here they're going to be ministered to. They're going to be loved. They're going to be taught. And they're going to be served. That's the secret. That's foundations. But if the foundations are destroyed, what can Jesus do? Nothing. Now, I believe what will transform this valley is a radical demonstration of the God kind of love. When people come in contact with the love of God, they change. We don't have to do the changing. We just have to do the loving. How do you bring a person into the presence of God? Just love them. Don't be critical. Don't be judgmental. The moment you become critical and judgmental, there you're sending a signal that pushes people away. You, you, you never said anything, but in the spirit, people feel it. When you, when you are around somebody who cares and loves you, you sense it, don't you? And when you are around someone who judges you and criticizes you, you sense it too. You don't want to be around them. That's, that, that is, that is how things work. Amen? Yeah. Now, Paul gives precise instructions when it comes to guarding and protecting our relationships. And this is the word the Lord has laid heavily on my heart. Protect your relationships. Protect it from offenses. Protect it from hurting one another, either willingly or unwillingly. And if you've done something and you know you've hurt, repent, go ask for forgiveness and be reconciled. I mean, we all make mistakes. We're human. We have shortcomings. We have failures. What does it cost to say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. 
You know, sometimes I would speak to my wife and in a not in a kind way. And later on, if I go pray, the Lord is convicting me. He said, you didn't ask your wife to forgive. You asked me to forgive you, but you got to ask your wife too. Amen. So we ask for forgiveness and we're ready to give forgiveness. Amen. Listen to what Paul says. Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to read verse 1 through 3. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling, which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, and endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, even as God in Christ forgave you. Plain, simple directives from the Holy Spirit. This is the way, he said. Don't let burden, bitterness, wrath, anger, evil speaking, put that all away. And then he says, be kind to one another. Be tender-hearted. Forgive one another. Bear with one another. Sometimes you, you just got to exercise a bit of long-suffering. You know, just bear with people. And that's what Jesus does with us. He bears with us. How often do we grieve him? How often do we stumble? Yet, he loves us. He bears up with us. He's so patient with us. He says, 70 times 7, I will forgive you. How much does that make? Why? Because I love you. You are precious. He sees the worth and the value in each one of us. And calls us what he has called us to be. He doesn't focus on your weakness. He doesn't harp on your sin. No, he sees Christ in you. And he sees you through the blood of Christ. Forgiven, righteous, holy, unblameable. The apple of his eye. If we could see one another the way God sees us, I tell you we will have no more issues. No more issues in the church. That these are foundational for us. So the Lord has instructed me to share this with, please guard your relationships with one another. They're very precious to God. And it should be precious to you too. And finally, one last directive. Don't allow the cares and the worries of this world and the business of life, the deceitfulness of riches, to distract you from your wholehearted devotion to the Lord. Keep your eyes and your focus on God and maintain your commitment to Him and to the spiritual family God has placed you in. You're not only committed to God, you're committed to one another. If we say Wednesdays we're going to meet and fellowship and receive an instruction, well, what is more important? Your work or your relationship with your brother? What is more important? What is more valuable? That must take priority. Let the work suffer, but I'm not going to damage my relationship. I'm going to fellowship. I'm going to communicate. I look forward to seeing you. I look forward to having fellowship with you and praying with you. Why? Because you are dear to me. More dear than my work. More dear than the extra $500 that I'm going to make. I'm committed to God and I'm committed to you. I'm here. Now I understand there are exceptions when George says something to me, like Jake was building a bridge and he's got this huge crane. What did you say? 
up, up there and he's up there and he's got to finish that. Well, I said, how often does that happen? Amen? Uh, so, well, if we're meeting at 6.30, I'm going to stop my work at 6 o'clock. I don't care who's calling. I don't care who, what pressures there are. I am committed to you. Therefore, I will be here. That's how I have been ever since I was only a few months in the Lord. Sunday morning, you won't find me anywhere else. In fact, my wife was giving birth in the hospital and I was in church worshipping God. My mother-in-law almost had a fit. I'm committed. And it is something that we must bring back into our relationship with the Lord. This wishy-washy, you here today, you're gone tomorrow... That is not kingdom. That's not discipleship. Go somewhere else and do that. But if you want me to disciple you, I expect your commitment. Thank you. Somebody agrees with me. Hallelujah. Michael, I need some help here. (laughs) Keep your eyes and your focus on the Lord. Maintain your commitment to Him and to the spiritual family God has placed you in. One more thing. Affirm and reaffirm your love and commitment to each other. Yesterday, I was in prayer. Elise and I and Michael and Heather, we were just praying in the other room. And prompted by the Spirit, I took Elise's hand like I did just now. I took Heather's hand and I said these words. I'm with you. The Spirit prompted me to say that. And Jesus was demonstrating a commitment that he has with us and we have with him and to one another. I am with you. I will walk with you. I will cover you with my prayers. I will stand with you. I will fight alongside you against those who fight with you. I have a covenant with you and I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will not abandon you and I will love you unconditionally. Can you imagine what that does to your relationship? When you catch each other's hand and you look at each other in the eye and say, I'm with you. You're not alone. I will walk with you. I will cover you with my prayers. I will shepherd you. I will encourage you when you need encouragement. I will forgive you and I need to forgive you. And I will love you unconditionally just as Christ loves me. And we confess that. And we affirm that. That solidifies and strengthens our relationship with one another. And I'm going to read the last verse of Scripture. You know Ruth? How many of you know the story of Ruth? Naomi, with her husband, went into the land of Moab, left Israel, with her husband and two sons. The two sons married Moabites from another land. And tragedy came upon that family. The husband of Naomi died. The two son-in-laws, uh, the two sons, they died. And they left the two uh, wives with Naomi. One was Orpah, I think, and the other one was Ruth. Orpah decided to leave. But Ruth understood that her destiny was with Naomi. Naomi discouraged her not to go back to Israel with her. She said, my daughter, I have no more sons to give you. I am stricken. I have been, I have been judged by the Lord. I am alone. I don't have any inherit. There's nothing. What do you want to come with me for? I cannot offer you anything. But Ruth said to her, listen to what she said. Entreat me not to leave you. Or turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. And the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death separates you and me. Wow, what a covenant. Ruth chapter 1. Verse 16 and 17. That's covenant, folks. That's commitment. And you know what? Ruth followed Naomi 
back to the land of Israel, and her destiny was awaiting for her. You know what? Who was her destiny? She met Boaz. She married Boaz, and they gave and they gave birth to the grandfather of King David. When God calls you to walk with someone, you need to understand that if God has brought you together, he does not change his mind. You may change your mind, but he does not. You walk with that person. Because your destiny is tied to that relationship. If you walk away, you walk away from your destiny. That's called spiritual alignment. You stay where God places you. Whether it's comfortable or uncomfortable, whether it's you happy or unhappy, you stay committed. And that's what we need to... Why do you think there's so many divorces even in the church today? People are not willing to fight. Stand up and fight for the marriage. Fight for the children. Fight for what belongs to us, folks. I would hear, you know, over the years that I've been a pastor, nothing surprises me anymore. People would come up to me, oh, pastor, the Lord has called me. I'm standing with you. I'm with you. You can count on me. Few months go by and you will, I look for that person nowhere to be found. What happened? Oh, the Lord led me this way. He did. Is God confused? Is God a schizophrenic? If God leads you and connects you somewhere, you stay connected. It's your responsibility to do that. Resist offense because you will be offended or you will be given an opportunity to be offended. Resist it. Stay put. Throw roots. And when you do, the branches will go out and you will bear much fruit. Amen? Amen. Folks, that's why I say relationships 